Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Wildly Successful Dental Podcast Series. I'm Nermeen, your host, and today's episode is going to be a very exciting one. In this episode, I am talking about what it means to be the CEO of your dental practice and not just an associate. Okay. So that might sound like a bunch of very complicated words, but I'm just gonna give you some examples here so that you can really understand what I mean by this. So if you have been a practice owner who comes in, looks at the schedule, does the chair side work, puts your tools away, and then goes home. And then you file your taxes once a year, you hire some people every so often, that, my friends, is really just being an associate in the practice. You're not really taking the level of responsibility and accountability and the tasks that are necessary to be the CEO of your practice. So I talk about this a lot to my clients who are dentists and practice owners, and I have to explain to them that there are five really important things for you to do on a weekly, monthly basis when it comes to being a practice owner. Because the reality is that you as a practice owner, you as the president, you as a person who's writing the checks, who's paying the bills, who's paying the taxes, whose name is on the door, is 100% responsible for being the CEO of your dental practice. Being the CEO is the one role that you cannot outsource to anyone. It is yours and yours only, and it's not for anyone else to take responsibility for. I know that sounds a little harsh, and I don't know what you were told when you were in dental school, what you've heard at dental conventions, but this is the truth. You own the business, your name is on the line, you are the CEO, it cannot be outsourced to anyone else. You as a dental practice owner think that when you hire a consultant like me, or you engage someone else's services, or you hire a, an office manager, a practice manager, a lab manager, a supplies manager, an HR manager, whatever that role is that you've hired for, that they are now going to be as invested in the business as you are. And I think that that is one of the biggest mistakes that you can make. The reality is that you are outsourcing this help to other experts, but you're not outsourcing the work that you have to do yourself. You still have to do work. It's just you have experts coming in to help you, but they're not doing 100% of the work. They're, not, they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but you still have to be involved in the process. Now, when I see practice owners who spend no time in their business, no time looking at their books, and then they wonder why their patient retention is so low, why when they go to sell their business, it's not being valued at the amount that they thought it was gonna be valued at, it's because they haven't actually truly stepped into the CEO shoes, okay? So I'm gonna to talk to you in this episode about the five most important things of being the CEO of your dental practice. And this is something I talk to my clients about in heavy detail. This is what they learn. There's accountability built in around this. So I'm gonna to get to the first thing and the most important thing, and that's knowing your numbers. Hi doctors and welcome. My name is Nermeen Jasani, and I'm a lawyer turned dental practice consultant. And this is the Wildly Successful Dental Practice Podcast. 
I help dental practice owners like you create a wildly successful dental practice. One where they're not just the associate in their practice, but they're also the CEO. I abhor hacks or gimmicks, and I believe and practice business fundamentals and proven business strategy. There is no one size fits all strategy. Everything needs to be tailored to your unique dental practice, practice specialty area, and revenue goals. This is not about feelings. This is about numbers and making data-driven decisions to grow your practice. Let's get drilling on this episode. You have got to know your practice numbers. You have got to know them at the beginning of the month, at the middle of the month, at the end of the month. You gotta know what you're collecting, what you're producing, who's your top producer, who's your top patient, what's your patient conversion rate from first phone call into third visit. You need to know your patient lifetime value. You need to know where most of your patients come from, the zip code, their age range. You need to know, are there more male or more female people? There are so many data points that you need to understand as a dental practice owner. And it's actually really easy if you just have one spreadsheet that has all of these numbers that you can access at any given time. It's one of the tools that I give to my clients, but you have to be able to reference back where you were a year ago, where you were six months ago, where you were last month, and where you wanna be going forward. Because the only way to truly measure your growth is to have those numbers and then to know, okay, look, we increased this by $1,000, we increased this by 10%, you need to know what you're tracking and then you need a system to track it. You gotta know your numbers, and I say this jokingly, but in all seriousness, if you are married or if you've ever been in a relationship and you forgot that person's birthday or your anniversary day, how much trouble did you get in for forgetting that? You gotta know your numbers like you, like you need to know your significant other's anniversary date or birthday. It is that important and just like when you sleep on the couch when there's trouble because you forgot a very important date, the same is true when you forget your practice numbers. Please know your practice numbers. Please have a system for measuring it. Please make sure that you're measuring the right numbers. Okay, let's talk about the second thing. And that's your CEO schedule. This is something that almost everyone overlooks and I never really understand why, because as a consultant, I feel like it's our responsibility to help our clients, not just think about being a CEO, but also enable them, give them the tools to give them the structure for being a practice owner, right? Okay, so what I do with my clients is a calendaring exercise where we go through and we look at the month and we say, okay, what day of the month are you gonna look at the finance numbers? Okay, this day. Okay, what day of the month are you gonna review all of your practice numbers? Okay, on this day. What day are you gonna review your marketing numbers? Okay, on this day. We get all of that calendared in a paper calendar, and then all that information gets transferred into their business calendar, whether it's their phone calendar or their Centrix calendar, whatever that is, but it needs to live somewhere outside of that piece of paper. Giving that kind of structure around these are the days when I'm going to review it makes sure that that happens, right? Because part of being a CEO is not just doing a great job chairside. It's not just hiring the right people. It's taking the time to step back and look at your practice from a bird's eye view. Do you know why it's so important for you to have a CEO schedule? 
because everyone else in your practice is in the weeds of your practice. Your practice manager is making sure that supplies are there, that patients are happy, maybe sometimes they're doing some legal work for you and uh, they are making sure that people are being onboarded effectively, that training is going well, that the staff is getting along. They're making sure that, you know, bills are paid and they, they're already doing 800 things and they're in the weeds of the practice, right? Your dental assistant, that's the same thing. They're in the weeds of the day-to-day -day practice. Your front office, in the weeds of the day-to-day -day practice. The only person whose responsibility it is to get that CEO view, to get the CEO numbers, to truly act like the CEO is you. So you have to do whatever you can do to make sure that you are taking the time in your calendar, in your monthly, in your daily, in your weekly, to give yourself the space and the opportunities to do those behaviors and tasks. Now, is this a behavior that you are going to learn overnight? No, absolutely not. Um, when I work with my clients, I know that this is something that needs to be reinforced time and time again because it's not something you were ever taught in dental school. They didn't teach you what numbers to look at. They taught you what teeth numbers are, right? And they taught you the quadrants on your face and they taught you everything about the art of dentistry, but you did not learn the art of being a business owner. So that practice takes time and it is a skill that has to be continually developed, right? You didn't learn after watching your first filling how to actually do a filling or to do a root canal right? You had to practice. You had to put in clinical hours, right? You had to be chair side. You had to intern. You had to do all of these things before you were actually good at it. Okay. So that's number two. Number three, the third most important pillar of being a CEO is that you have to hire strategically and not when you're desperate. When I ask practice owners, okay, so what's your hiring plan? What's your strategy here? They usually kind of look at me confused and I say, okay, well, is it written anywhere? Do you have a hiring strategy anywhere? And they just still kind of look at me a little bit crazy. Well, you know, we've got a, we've got a, a recruiter who helps us and she knows, you know, what we're looking for. You know, well, we were thinking about, you know, in six months, we'll bring on another dental assistant. And then six months after that, we'll bring on another associate. Okay. <laughs> I get that you have all these thoughts but the thoughts are not living anywhere in reality and they are also not mapped out strategically. And when I talk about like strategic hiring, I mean, do you have money in the bank for this person? Do you have the patience for this person? And I don't mean like patience, but the patient population to be able to support this person in having a role and being able to be effective at their job. Is this the most lucrative person that you can bring in? So if you're looking at an associate to bring into your practice, you can look at a newer, younger associate. You can look at someone who's specialized, who's three years out. You can look at someone who's specialized, who's five years out. If so, what's the specialty going to be? Are they going to be an endodontist? Are they going to be an oral surgeon? Are they going to be a periodontist? Can you afford any of the specialties? Or are you just going to bring on another associate, right? You got to hire strategically. 
And every one of these things has a data number. And one of the first places I'll tell you to go look at is look at the work that you're sending out. What's the dollar amount? If every month, every year, you are sending out $150,000 of endo work, maybe you bring in an endodontist, right? Maybe you try to keep that work in house. Now, these are just some suggestions. If there's a much deeper calculation when it comes to figuring out hiring. I'm just trying to give you some examples here so that you can start thinking about these things, right? Okay, so what I like to do with my clients is create a 12 and 24 month hiring plan. What does that mean? A 12 and 24 month hiring plan is literally what it sounds like. Here's who we're gonna hire, here's when we're gonna hire them, here's why, here's the skill set that we're looking for, here's what we're hoping it'll do, here's how it's going to affect the bottom line. All of that information needs to be created as part of an effective hiring strategy. Otherwise, you're just spaghetti against the wall, hiring when you're desperate. And when you start hiring when you're desperate, people can feel like that desperate energy. Like they know, oh, you haven't been able to find anyone. Like why haven't you been able to find anyone, right? You don't wanna, you don't wanna be in that position. So whatever you do, just make sure that you don't hire desperately. Hi doctors, just a quick note here from Nermeen. I know you're busy running your practice and I know you know that there's a lot that you could be doing to grow it. I want you to know that I'm here to help and I'd love to chat with you for 30 minutes so we can talk about your practice goals and your practice vision. I also know that you might be a little nervous to work with a consultant, especially because they tend to charge a lot and they wanna work with you for these long-term contracts. I'm not like that at all. And if after talking for 30 minutes, you decide that you wanna work in just a small bite-sized way, we can do that through a day of strategy and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a day and we work together for five days and then I check in with you after 30 days and then after 60 days to see how things are going. So no long-term commitments, no overpriced consulting here, just good old strategy to grow your practice your way. If you're interested, take a look at the link below and you'll be able to schedule a call with me to talk about the day of strategy. I look forward to helping you. All right, so let's talk about pillar number four. And we've talked about this already in a previous episode, but it's your patient experience, right? You've gotta make sure that you have an amazing patient experience. Even if you don't have a fancy office, even if you don't have a fancy location, that doesn't mean that your front desk has to have attitude to your patients. That doesn't mean that you are permitted to have extra attitude to your patients. Patient experience is everything from the first phone call to where they're gonna park their car to how they're getting into your office to how quickly you're taking them to the back to you know what you're like when they're in your chair and to how you are checking them out. All of that is part of the patient experience and if that system is broken, it doesn't matter how many new clients you get in because for any new client that comes in, they're just gonna get churned because you have a poor patient experience. Now, I know that some of you are thinking, well, Nermeen, you know, we've got a really great patient experience. We've got 4.7 stars on Google. You know, I think we're doing pretty well. Okay, well, let me just say this. It's not about increasing patient experience then 100% or like 50% better. It's about the tiny little things that you can start to do. The 1%, the tiny habit, right? 
that you can start to do to provide an even better experience. And it's not improving it all overnight, it's baby stepping the process, right? So that's something that I want you to keep in mind as you are creating your patient experience and as you're like walking through what you want the patient experience to feel like. The example I always give is tell me what your best customer service experience was like where you walked in and you were like, wow, I can't believe that this is my experience. I can't believe that they're paying so much attention to me. This is amazing. Please take my money. It could be a Starbucks. Maybe it was a lawyer's office. Maybe it was another dentist's office. Maybe it was another doctor's office, right? Think, or maybe it was a hotel. Think about that patient experience and really just think about like what it was about that that made you want to come back. And then try to see if you can pull the elements out of that experience to try to build what you want your patient experience to feel like. All too often, I know this especially is true for um, the older dentists who just don't value the patient experience as much. And I understand that there is a reason why they don't value it. But the reality is that in 2022, we are living in a highly digital society where everything is shared. So you can have Google and Yelp completely take your business down, where not one person will call you because you have poor reviews. You can do all the ads that you want, but if you have 3.8 or less than four and a half stars on Google, they're not gonna wanna come in because they can research all of this information for themselves. We have a very educated patient and client base right now. So you can't get away with the things that maybe dentists from older generations might have been able to, right? You have to make sure that your office, that your staff, everything is amazing, that your bedside manner is, is amazing, right? I will tell you that when I was younger, I had a dentist who, it was the worst experience ever. I felt like I was yelled at constantly. You know, when she, when she would do an exam, you know, and she would keep my mouth open with a rubber dam and, you know, she'd be in there doing the work. And then I would finally get to close my mouth and I would just make a comment. Wow, my mouth is so dry. And immediately she took it as a complaint. She took it as, well, I can't keep your mouth dry when it's open and duh. And I was just like, whoa. And this is me as a kid who's hearing this. So I definitely 100% want you to be cognizant of your patient experience, of how you are with them and how your staff is with them. Okay, let's get to pillar number five. And I think this is sometimes the most lost, but also maybe even the most important. As a CEO, you have to be able to make decisions for your business and you have to be able to make them fast. What do I mean by that? Okay, every day you're going to have at least seven to 15 decisions that you have to make as a CEO. What does that include? Are you gonna hire a new associate? Who are you going to hire next? How much are you going to pay them? Are we going to move our office? If we expand, where are we going to expand? If you know, if you, are, are you gonna give this person a raise? If so, what is the raise amount going to be? Are you gonna do employee reviews? If so, when are you going to do them? Are you gonna bring on a new lab manager? Are you going to find a new supplier? Are you gonna switch from Dentrix to Eaglesoft? Are you gonna start texting your patients? Are you gonna build a new website? I mean, all of these things are just coming at you, right? 
and you can't control the pace of them because they're just coming at you. And if you don't have your CEO schedule set up where you have like a decision day involved, which is a day when you're going to make all the decisions in your business that you keep putting off that you're not ready for, that you're not, you don't have the mental bandwidth to even start to think about, then I think that decision day is an important thing to add to your CEO schedule. And I also think that you being able to effectively make decisions is incredibly important, right? You have to get to a place where you're using whatever decision matrix works for you. There's a bunch of them. There's the Eisenhower one. There's looking at it from a SWOT analysis. There's, there's a lot of different ways. If this is sounding like gibberish to you, it's okay. I totally get it. Just reach out to me and, and we'll work through it. But you've got to be able to make decisions and you got to be able to make them fast. Do you know why I say fast? I work with a lot of practice owners who say, you know what? I'll bring on an associate, but not now, maybe in six months, six months go by. You know what? I don't know. Maybe I'll bring them on in another six months, another six months go by. They keep delaying making these decisions, right? Same with social media. I think I'm gonna hire a social media person and I'm just not sure. And so you talk to a bunch of people and then you're like, yeah, I don't really know. And then you don't make a decision. You know, not making a decision in your business and in your practice can really be lethal sometimes. You need to get in the habit of getting comfortable that your decisions are not end all be all, right? You can hire an associate and then you can fire them. Will it be easy? No, but it's something that you can do. I find that most of my clients feel a lot of anxiety around decision-making because it feels like it's a final choice. So if there is a decision that you are thinking about that's been sort of brewing around in your head that won't go anywhere, that's taking all this mental energy, I really want you to think about from a perspective of this is not a final decision. And if it wasn't a final decision, what decision would you make, right? Moving into a new office, by the way, is not a final decision. You can say that you want to move in, try to look for places, find a realtor, you know, negotiate the lease, find out that it's not going to work and that's okay, right? It's just so often we feel like everything is like this final decision and it's not. It's not an end all be all. I mean, we, we live in a time where even getting married and having kids is not a final decision, end all be all thing, right? So I really just want you to keep that in mind and have it give you some perspective of this is not end all be all. I mean, heck, I went to law school and I thought that that was an end all be all. I'm going to be a lawyer for the rest of my life. And that's certainly not the case. I still have my degree. I still have my license, but I don't actively practice. Right. So I think that you really need to start getting out of this. Like this is a final decision and this is the decision that it's going to be. And I'm never going to want to make a different decision ever. Um, so yeah. Okay. That's everything for the five pillars of being a CEO. If you find yourself listening to this and you're like, wow, Nermeen, that's just not me. Um, I, if this sounds really great. Please tell me more. How do I do these things, right? Because if you don't do them now in five years, you're still not going to have these skills to actually be the CEO of your practice. So I invite you to have a chat with me. It is a no obligation phone call, right? And We'll talk about your practice and we'll see, you know, if working together is even a good option for you because it could be that it's not the right option and there's no obligation, right? <laughs> Let this be a decision where you realize that 
just because we got on a phone call, you're no, you're not going to be like forced into being into working with me. Right. Okay. That's everything for today. Thank you for listening in. And I cannot wait until the next episode, which I know you're going to love. So make sure you listen in for that. And I will see you then. Bye doctors.